Welcome to the White Spring Bunker. These halls were built to safeguard some of the most prestigious members of the United States government. We are MODIS, and we are always looking for men and women capable of helping us restore what has been lost. In return, we offer this, a new enclave and our refuge from the world above. Please, take your time and look around. The Colonel has made great strides restoring this place to its former glory. Welcome, member, to our little enclave. Greetings, members. As always, I am the Operative, your designated tour guide and host here at the White Spring. Plans within plans. Lilith has discovered the Blood Eagle's weakness. Without their chems, the gang would soon fall into disarray. However, the Blood Eagles might have found Lilith's weakness, too. When the unstoppable force meets an immovable object, Appalachia pays the price. And we discover that even in the White Spring, not everything is what it seems. The Blood Eagle War continues. Dr. Harefield, how can I help you? Major, I've been trying to get on your calendar for a week now. I have some questions that no one seems to be able to answer, so I wanted to see if you could help. It's funny. I didn't receive any of your requests. Well, we can talk now, can't we? Of course. How can I help you, Doctor? I've run out of space, and Modus is refusing to open the last wing of the old medical facility. Refuses? He keeps saying that the area is contaminated, but I look at the records and... And I've tested some samples. I can't find a single piece of evidence to support his claim. Doctor, I'm sure Modus has good reason and evidence of his own. He is protective, as you know. Now, I'll speak to him about it. And if you need space, I'm sure we can make some accommodations available upstairs as well. <sighs> Fine. Maybe he'll give you a straight answer. And if not, I will take this directly to the Colonel. There won't be any need of that. You know how busy she is. I'll take care of it. Remember, I promise. Dr. Harefield didn't look happy, but there wasn't much else she could do. Turning around, she stalked back down the hallway to medical. Nice woman. Good doctor. What did she ask again? Oh, well. It must not have been important. Stein put his cap back on and rubbed his eyes. With Lilith on the warpath, he was spending long nights going over the field reports and suffering from a bout of headaches as a result. He walked down the hall and turned right into operations. The duty officer saluted and handed him the latest reports. He flipped through the first few pages as he walked up the stairs to see Valeria. There was something on page four that got his attention. Oh. Oh no. Stein ran up the last few stairs through the door, interrupting a conversation between Valeria and Modus. Colonel, we have a problem. A big one. 
So that's the place. Bitter handed his binoculars over to Sullivan. Sullivan adjusted the focus, and he saw what appeared to be the entrance to a cave. They were just northwest of Harper's Ferry, where they dodged some supermutants before arriving at their designated location. Hawk's Refuge? Yeah. Some kind of old raider den, pre-scorched. Blood Eagles moved in and made it their own. <sighs> More like Hawk's shithole. Who in the right mind sets up shop in a cave? Bitter spit into the dirt. He was itching for a cigarette, but the boss had prohibited any smoking as they closed on the target, lest they give away their position. Freya, the boss, crawled up next to him. Nobody ever claimed the Blood Eagles were in their right minds to begin with. <laughs> but I do enjoy killing rats in their holes. Bitter just rolled his eyes and looked at Sullivan, who merely shrugged. Their boss was definitely a lunatic. The only saving grace was that she was their lunatic. The boss had been gone for several days after saying she had to check on something. When she came back, they hauled ass all the way up to the mire after hitting some Blood Eagle camps in the Savage Divide to throw the eagles off and send them in another direction. The Blood Eagles had gotten all worked up. They'd certainly got the attention of all the right or wrong people. Some passing traders had talked about Blood Eagle war parties being assembled up and down the Savage Divide. After Berkeley Springs, the whole gang was up in arms and supposedly after them. When Bitter told the boss, she just laughed. Said that's exactly what she wanted. He'd gotten used to her unique mannerisms, but the carefree attitude was something that normally got people killed in the wasteland. They killed two more guards out front easy enough. Both of them had been stuffed to the gills with a combination of Daddio and Day Tripper to put up too much of a fight. Idiots. Dipping into their own merchandise. What did you expect? They're blood eagles. Once inside the cave, the team had moved methodically from chamber to chamber. Sullivan leading the way, finding plenty of booby traps to disarm and tripwires to cut. The whole place smelled awful, with a haze of chemical smoke obscuring the cave ceiling. Mattresses laid scattered on the floor, and a rudimentary lighting system had strung up on the walls. Bitter looked up at the haze and then down to the lights. He also noticed there were no open flames around, not even evidence of a campfire. Hey, no firing in here. You'll blow us all up. Sullivan passed the info to Freya and Malgus. The big man just smiled and put away his gatling plasma, then cradled the spike board in his hands. Freya pulled out a wicked-looking machete with serrated teeth, heavily stained with dried blood from tip to handle. Entering into the main chamber, they found the common area. Old furniture was scattered about, separating the different sections. There was a place for musical instruments with a small stage, a food prep area containing the remains of either breakfast or lunch, and storage crates that looked like to be filled with various vials, beakers, and raw materials for chemical manufacturing. Down one rocky hallway, they could hear people talking. Probably the day shift were making chems by the sound of it. Between the chatter and the hissing steam, Bitter doubted if anyone could hear them coming, even if they weren't trying to be all sneaky-like. Freya motioned for them to get ready. they get as close to the entrance as possible, check for traps, then take the room by storm. She'd been very specific about no prisoners, and that they would blow the place when they left anyway. It was supposed to send another message to the Blood Eagles that their time in Appalachia was over. Sullivan and Bitter took the left side of the hall, while Freya and Malgus were on the right. Bitter took care of another tripwire trap while Sullivan got close enough to check out the space. It looked like there were five or six Blood Eagles, working a bunch of stills and cooking appliances. The haze was deeper and darker, making it impossible to see the ceiling at all, while the chemical smell was almost overpowering. They all pulled out their gas masks, which despite reducing visibility would keep them from getting high off the fumes pouring from the equipment. Malgus didn't appear to care keeping his head free of any impediments. He merely stood stone-faced, waiting for the order to wade into his enemies. 
The boss took one last look before holding up three fingers. Then she silently counted down to one. All four of them rushed the room, picking targets as they entered. The Blood Eagles never stood a chance. Magus was on top of one of them in about a second, slamming his board against the raider's head so hard it exploded like a melon. Freya decapitated another with her machete. Both Bitter and Sullivan dispatched their targets with less gore and more precision, using their combat knives. Within just a few seconds, the bodies of the Blood Eagles littered the floor, while splashes of their blood covered the walls. As the boss cleaned up, which was never something they liked to watch, both Bitter and Sullivan did a sweep of the cave. Sullivan was looking for a convenient spot for their explosives, while Bitter surveyed the scrap and supplies for anything interesting. Sitting on a table near the back of the common area was some kind of electronic device. It sort of looked like a handheld radio, but it had a strange-looking antenna and a series of blinking lights, flickering from red to green and back again. Hey, Sullivan! What the hell is this? Sullivan sauntered over to take a look. He picked up the device and turned it over in his hand. What's a radio jammer doing down here? Why would the Blood Eagles be jamming their own radios? The wheels in Sullivan's head were turning. Of course the Blood Eagles wouldn't be messing with their own radios, right? But who else? Oh shit. Oh shit, they aren't jamming their own radios. They're jamming ours. Sullivan did a quick check of his Pip-Boy, and sure enough all of the radio frequencies were nothing but white noise. He grabbed the jammer and threw it on the cave floor before stomping on it, sending small sparks and bit of wire everywhere. But why would they be jamming our radios if they didn't know we was coming? God damn it. Sullivan just swore under his breath and ran to the back of the cave. Boss, we gotta get out of here. It's a trap. Freya looked up from the body that she had been delicately carving up. What the fuck are you talking about, Sullivan? Found a radio jammer. It was active. They must have known we were coming. And they probably know we're here. Freya cursed, then reached down and ripped a rib right off the body she had been dissecting. Alright, let's see what the fuck is going on. Finishing off the rib she'd been gnawing on, Freya grabbed her field rifle and jogged towards the cave entrance, with Malgus falling close behind. Better was in front, having heard what Sullivan said, and the last thing he signed up for was dying in some godforsaken cave. The bright light of the entrance was just up ahead, and he picked up the pace. Breaking out into the light, he raised his hand over his eyes as the midday sun was nearly blinding compared to the relative darkness of the cave. Sullivan was a little smarter and remembered to put on his shades before exiting the cave, which is probably what saved both his and Bitter's life. Not a hundred feet away, it looked like the entire Blood Eagle army was assembled to meet them. Sullivan grabbed Bitter by the pack and yanked him backwards, just as the tree line erupted in fire. Five, five, six, and plasma rounds exploded around the cave entrance, missing them both by just a hair. They both ended up on their backs, being dragged further into the cave by both Frey and Malgus as they dodged ricochets. They ended up huddled behind a set of old metal barrels as the firing continued, digging gouges into the cave walls and bouncing off the floor and ceiling. I specifically said no party crashers. Boss, I don't think there's any way out of here but that damned entrance. The firing finally died down to the occasional pot shot fired blandly into the entrance. Frey adjusted her wide brim hat and winked at Bitter. Let's see what they want. Should be any minute now. Freya's patience was rewarded with exactly what she expected from a bullhorn outside. You in the cave! If you're not already dead, send out the bitch! Don't matter if she's alive or dead. Do that and the rest of you can walk out of there! You've got five minutes! 
<laughs> How many did you see out there, Sullivan? Um, a lot. I I'd say at least a few dozen. Good. What do you mean, good? That's bad. Real bad. Nah. Just means I get to have more fun. Haven't you ever heard of the term, the more the merrier? <sighs> Let me have that rifle of yours. Time to give them my reply. Ah, oh, shit. She's completely nuts. This is not the place I wanted to die. Reluctantly, Bitter handed over his rifle. Freya took it, made sure it was fully loaded, and got up, walking towards the cave entrance. Three more minutes, dipshits! The gathered war party was getting anxious. They were all hopped up on cams and were just itching to tear their enemies apart, especially these troublemakers. Freya emerged from the cave. Don't need them! She raised the rifle and fired off all five rounds in quick succession, downing five eagles where they stood. The rest scattered in surprise, and Freya just smirked as she turned and sauntered back into the cave, blowing the blood eagles a kiss before disappearing back into the blackness. It took the eagles a few seconds to pick themselves up and fire back before they realized they'd been had. Again. The leader picked up the bullhorn, brimming with fury and ready to order a full-on assault. A single gunshot rang out, and the leader looked down to see a neat bullet hole in the center of his chest. His eyes rolled back, and he collapsed onto the ground. A figure stepped out of the tree line, smoking pistol in hand. The rest of the Blood Eagles immediately took a step back. <laughs> the claw is angry, and the claw doesn't stand for stupidity. This was the claw, the anointed leader of the Blood Eagles. He rarely traveled far from his home base in Watoga, but he had wanted to see the death of their hated enemies with his own eyes. And now that his men screwed it up, he was livid. God damn it! If you want something done right, you do it yourself! Ah! Give me that fucking fat man! Better had watched Freya skip back into the cave with the biggest grin on her face, which was a very bad sign. She tossed him his liver action, still smoking, and laughed just like she'd made a very funny joke. Bitter cautiously snuck up to the cave entrance to take a look at what his boss had brought. As he peeked around the corner, the eagles had picked themselves up and... Wait, is that... A fat man! Solomon could barely comprehend what Bitter had said as he flew by him further back into the cave. He exchanged a look with Freya, whose smile was frozen as the words finally sunk in. The assembled Blood Eagles cheered as they watched what had been Hawk's refuge sealed tight by the exploding mini-nuke. The claw let out a guttural roar, pounding his chest as he dropped the Fat Man launcher to the ground. An underling scurried over to pick it up, withdrawing as rapidly as he came. Ding dong! The bitch is dead! There had only been one way in or out of that cave, and now it was covered by tons of earth and stone. Even if the explosion hadn't killed them, they were now forever buried. Fitting, the claw thought, 
trapping her in what was now a tomb. Now to tie up the rest of the loose ends. Find Beckett! The Claw wanted Beckett now more than ever. With his mysterious protectors gone, it should be easy to pick up his trail. Oh, he had such plans once they brought him back to Watoga. Beckett was going to wish he'd never been rescued. The rest of the Blood Eagles took turns either spitting or urinating on the rubble before they all collected their dead and headed back south. The rubble pile continued to settle, with whips of smoke rising above, and then silence settled upon the mire. Major? Yes, Thomas. Private Sullivan has missed another check-in. That makes what? Three now? Yes, sir. Well, damn. Okay, I'll inform the colonel. She's not going to like it. Once upon a time. Twenty-seven years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met, and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now. Shit! 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 Beckett kept muttering to himself and scurried around the quasi-bunker collecting his belongings. As he stuffed a few more bottles of vintage liquor into his pack, he couldn't believe he found himself in an even worse position than he'd been in before. Oh, it had been great for a few weeks. His protectors had made a royal mess of the Blood Eagles, nearly wiping out half their leaders and getting them on the run. Beckett had been running a small moonshine stand out front and managed to clear a tidy profit as things were turned to normal around the ash heap without the constant Blood Eagle raids. Then it all went to hell in a handbasket. Just an hour before, a Blue Ridge caravan guard had saddled up to the bar and gotten himself blind drunk. He'd been a great tipper, too. Then he dropped a whopper, telling Beckett that the Blood Eagles had wiped out some other group of raiders who'd been targeting them. Said they buried the poor fools up in the mire. Then he said that the Claw himself was sending an army to get some guy named Beckett. That was enough to get him to close up shop right there and then. Gave the caravan guard his caps back and put him back on his way up the railroad tracks to the BRCC camp at the Big Bend Tunnel. After that, a lot of it was a blur as Beckett realized he needed to be as far away from here, preferably as far away from Appalachia, as his feet could take him. After grabbing everything he could, including the few weapons and limited ammunition that had been left behind, he hit the road. Beckett still had a few friends in the region, including his old buddy Edwin. If he could get to him and his crew, he might be safe, if just for a little while. He got through Lewisburg. Despite the ghoul infestation, he'd rather take his chances there rather than on the open road. 
This time around, the old town was deathly quiet. He snuck through it, hiding behind the decrepit stalls and displays as Google slowly shuffled past. Beckett made into the woods north of town and kept moving. And if the claw got a hold of him, he'd be better off being eaten by a ghoul anyway. Lieutenant, repeat that, please. Colonel, the safe house is empty. Looks like the target vacated and headed north. We stumbled across a group of blood eagles. Believe they had the same idea as we did. Eliminated them with no losses. Any signs of our people? None, ma'am. The bunker is empty. Okay, track the target. If you find him, take him into custody. I don't want him harmed under any circumstances. We need to know what he knows. Yes, Colonel. We'll update on our next scheduled check-in. Team Gamma, out. Valeria put down the mic and backed away from the communications desk. She took a deep breath in an attempt to calm herself. It wouldn't do for her to punch the console in front of the members as much as she wanted to do so. First Lilith and her team had gone missing, and the Blood Eagles were crowing all over Appalachia that they'd killed them. Then they find out that Beckett is gone as well. It paid to keep her emotions in check, but she was angry. Very, very angry. Of course, she didn't believe for a minute that the Blood Eagles had gotten Lilith. She was reckless, but she wasn't stupid either. Something happened, but Valeria didn't know what. Modus had already made a polite inquiry about body retrieval. His experimentation with FEV was still continuing, completely automated at this point at a remote location. She had been very, very clear that she didn't want to take any chances of an accident affecting any of their limited manpower. For the moment, she told Modus that it wouldn't be necessary. Larry would only believe that Lilith was dead if she saw the body herself. Until then, they'd hunt down this Beckett fellow and keep him under proper lock and key. If and when Lilith showed up, she was sure that she'd have quite a story to tell. The colonel straightened her uniform and headed back to her office. Ma'am? Colonel. Colonel. Valeria. Yes, Stein? What can I do for you? Permission to leave the bunker. Permission to do what, exactly? Colonel, Lilith is missing, and I just can't sit here and do nothing. Major, Lilith can take care of herself. I'm sure she's fine. It doesn't take a genius to see right through you. You're worried, too. I've heard radio chatter. The Blood Eagles are crowing that they killed her. I don't believe that for a second, and neither do you. But something happened in the mire, and her team's been out of contact for far too long. Yes, I am... concerned. But we don't have the assets to send off on what could be a wild goose chase, regardless of who the person is. Damn it, Valeria! Pick your next words carefully, Stein. Colonel, I... Let me go to try and find her. Please. Valeria eyed Stein skeptically, though part of her wanted to go after Lilith herself. The mission always came first. But on the other hand, she recognized that Stein saw both her and Lilith as his adopted daughters, and putting herself in his shoes, well, she doubted she'd be able to keep him in the bunker anyway. Stein, you have two weeks. 
I expect you to maintain contact with us and not to do anything stupid. Thank you, Valeria. I'll find her. Stein saluted and jogged back down the hallway. Larry made a mental note to have Modus keep an eye on the Major in the field through the surveillance network, and she walked back to her office to catch up on the latest intelligence reports and start preparing contingency plans, if in fact Lilith was dead. Deep within Modus's mainframe, new subroutines were activated. If the Colonel would not respond to his initial request, Modus was sure that his backup plan would be successful. His asset was too important to risk in a fully independent operation, and that was the matter of the new radio signal detected in the mire, which required discreet investigation as well. However, Modus had other assets at his disposal. Lieutenant Shadow? Yes, Modus? Report to the mainframe. We have an assignment for you. Of course. Hi, I'm Fire Rider, and I'm the host of The Pixel People, a podcast dedicated to taking a close look at our favorite characters from our favorite video games. From major characters who define the course of a game's storyline, to smaller characters who you might have never noticed. Every week, we go beyond the quest line to examine a particular character's story arc and choices, and discover the real-world parallels and life lessons hidden just below the surface. I hope you'll join us. You can find the Pixel People on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Lieutenant Skells was getting antsy. He'd been pacing back and forth in front of the communications equipment for more than an hour, slowly picking at the needle scars on his arm, waiting for something, anything to happen. Just because he knew how to work a radio, he and his crew got sent up to this godforsaken spot to monitor the radio channels and help coordinate their search for the traitor fuck Beckett. At least they were loaded up on chems, but damn it if the rations they were given were some of the worst of the pre-war trash. He looked around the room and Besides all the old equipment, his crew was laid out either tinkering, drinking, or shooting up. It was Bugs, one of their more recent recruits. It was a former Foundation puke who got addicted to overdrive. And they kicked him out. Everyone called him Bugs because of his bug eyes and stutter. Yeah, Blood Eagles weren't known for their imagination. Next to Bugs was Phil. A bit older, he'd been with the gang for a while. He was their resident computer nut. Loved taking terminals apart and putting them back together. When he was really high, he'd say the wires were talking to him. Stayed to himself, mostly, with his machines. But he could still put up a good fight if needed. And it was Grace. Cast-iron bitch there. A couple of guys tried to mess with her when she joined. They say she still has the trophies nailed to the wall of her shack. She's always on Fury or Psycho. You just didn't want to get between her and her target. She was running security, chasing off some locals who'd gotten a little too close for comfort. The others were a mixed bag of psycho heads, tweakers, and scavs, camped around the concrete building, keeping an eye out for whatever. A few of them had gone down the hill into an old compound and found a treasure trove of beer and chems. They'd had a grand old party until the booze ran out, then spent half the night breaking up fights. 
picked another scab off his arm, watching the small stream of blood drip down to the floor. Hey, boss. What the hell is it, Bugs? Bugs was fiddling with some of the knobs on the control panel. Uh, I c can't raise c Campion or Nanoles. Those were the two war party leaders. Real douchebags, as far as Skells was concerned. They'd been kissing the claw's ass for weeks now and finally got their own war parties. They wouldn't shut up about it and kept bragging about what they'd do when they found Beckett. Fuck those guys. Probably all got drunk off their asses and are sleeping it off somewhere. But I was just talking with Knowles. Said he heard something and now nothing. Campion's not answering either. Jesus. Even those idiots should know how to work a radio. Damn it, just give me those headphones. Skells grabbed the headset from Bugs and pushed him out of the chair. He had to reach down and turn down the volume. Bugs had it all the way up and the static was screaming in his ears. God damn it, Bugs. No wonder you couldn't hear anything. It's fucking louder than shit. Probably blew out your eardrums, numbskull. Sorry, boss. Knowles. Knowles, you fuck. Come in. Come in, Campion, you lazy turd. Get your butt on the radio. Scales switched back and forth, getting angry and angry with every turn of the knob. Nothing. Nothing. And nothing. What no-account useless idiots he'd had to put up with. They'd all been crystal clear that they needed to be in constant communication. The Claw was already pissed he didn't get to fillet that Freya bitch himself. But he was so desperately wanted to get his hands on Beckett. Uh, maybe the radio is busted after all. Phil spoke up from across the room. He'd been rewiring the defense turrets outside, but I'd accidentally shut them down instead. Which he wouldn't be telling Skells. Shut the fuck up, Phil. You said this equipment was fine. You think it's busted now? Phil ducked his head back into the box of wires in front of him. Fucking Christ! Skells tossed the headset across the room. It bounced off the wall and landed with a crack on the floor. Grace! The Raider Enforcer sauntered in, throwing back a bottle of whiskey, then wiping her mouth on her arm. What the hell is going on around here? You're all a bunch of worthless assholes! Grace just shrugged her shoulders. Her gig was security, and whatever got Skell's balls in a twist didn't mean anything to her. Useless! Grace, we can't raise Campion or Knowles. They better be having technical difficulties, or so help me I'll skin them alive. God. And this is my problem. How exactly? You're supposed to be running security, idiot. Do you want to be the one to explain to the Claw just what the hell is going on around here? The mention of the Blood Eagle leader put a bit of the fear in Grace's eyes. No one wanted to get on his bad side. Ever. <sighs> Fine, boss. What the fuck do you want me to do? Knowles' camp isn't too far from here. Take one of your good-for-nothing guards and see if you can't find out what the problem is. Skells waved her off and reached down for another hit of Psycho. Anything to take the edge off. He could hear her cursing him under her breath as she left. Grace grabbed her kit, kicked a couple of her guys, and headed down the hill towards Noel's camp. If he was goofing off, she'd tear a stripe out of his hide for sure. Skells fumed as he and Bugs check over the equipment again. Something just wasn't right, and it really pissed him off not to know what. 
They could hear Grace loud and clear, so it sure as shit wasn't a problem on their end. The sun was fading rapidly as the night began to fall across the Savage Divide. The Blood Eagles lounged around the radio transmitter. Some sat along the edge of the concrete roof, smoking, doing chems, or drinking, while the rest at least looked like they were paying attention to their duties. Skell's mood hadn't gotten any better. Grace had taken her time getting down to Noel's camp, and her attitude, if anything, had gotten worse. Hey, Skells, you there? Fuck you, Grace. Been waiting for the last two hours. What's taking you so damn long? Oh, go fuck yourself. Anyway, we're here, but no Knowles. Smells funny, though. I mean, it seriously stinks. Skells rolled his eyes. Everything in Appalachia smelled like crap. But... Hey. What's that? Skells could hear some rustling and distant conversation. <sighs> Quit screwing around, Grace. More rustling and some shouts now. Grace? What the fuck? Come on! Oh shit. Boys found Knowles. I mean, we think it's him. Can't tell you, though. Looks like a Yowgwai or something got him. Not just him, either. Everyone. They're all... dead. You drunk again, Grace? Knowles had like 20 guys. You pulling my leg and I'll skin you alive. No, 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 no. Something ain't right here. They've been... No, they ain't been eaten. We're like... torn apart. See no animal, Wendigo, or Muty do anything like this shit. Skells needed information, not the ramblings of a drunk, or worse. Christ, pull yourself together. You're a blood eagle, not some pansy-ass settler. Oh, shit, who? Bob? What's going on? Grace had dropped the radio to her side and was screaming at her men as Skells could hear more yelling and screaming coming through. He leaned into the mic, trying to get through to Grace, but all I could hear was screaming, and maybe Grace's voice somewhere in there, too. Then came a piercing wail that caused him to fling the earphones from his head. That had definitely been Grace. Skell stared at the earphones. Even from a couple of feet away, he could still hear the wailing coming from them. It sounded like a dying animal, not one of the baddest blood eagles he'd ever known. Suddenly, the sound stopped. He stared at the earphones again for a minute, before gingerly reaching down and putting them back on. Both Phil and Bugs had come up from behind, looking over his shoulder. Grace! Grace! Are you there? For a minute or two, Skells heard nothing but static, so he tried again. Still nothing. He messed with the knobs, adjusted the volume, and tried one last time. Grace! God damn it, say something! I'm afraid Grace can't talk right now. Or ever. But don't worry. You'll be seeing me soon. The audible click probably meant whoever it was just hadn't turned off the radio, but probably crushed it underfoot. Skells dropped the headphones on the desk and backed away from the equipment. He was sweating. He'd heard the stories. Not just the recent ones, but even before he joined the Blood Eagles. There were more monsters in Appalachia than anyone could think to count and some of them were even human, or what passed as human. Fuck! Fuck, fuck, fuck! If Campion and Knowles were dead, 
Then they were all alone out here. There wasn't supposed to be another war party within a couple of days' hike. Both Bugs and Phil looked at him like a dumb Brahmin, not understanding. Skells paced back and forth, talking to himself. Most of him wanted to bail and be hell and gone from this place. The rest of him? Well, if the claw ever got his hands on him, it'd be just as bad. Maybe even worse. Okay, fuckers! Get your shit together! We got company coming! Skells kicked his people into gear, breaking out the big guns, getting the floodlights working, and ringing the transmission tower with light. As the sun disappeared over the hills, fog started to roll in, filling the valley below with thick mist. The lights couldn't penetrate the fog, and the reflection ruined their night vision. King was on high alert, scanning 360 degrees for whatever had scared the hell out of Skells. Their fearless leader was huddled in front of the radio again. The long-range transmitters worked for about five minutes when they first arrived, but 25 years of neglect had finally shut the whole system down. I mean, there's like 15 of us. We're heavily armed and full of chems. So it, it can't be her. She's dead. The claw said so. This just can't be on a Knowles fucking with us, right? Skells felt a hand on his shoulder and spun around, pipe pistol in hand. It was just Phil, looking white as a sheet. Jesus fucking Christ, Phil! I could have blown your head off! What the hell do you want? A uh, boss, the guy said they saw something out in the fog. Well, of course they did, those little pricks. God damn it, if I find out you all have been playing me, I'll fucking kill the lot of you. That's when the first shot rang out. Then the second. And then a third. The raiders threw themselves on the floor. Skells could hear shouts and moans coming from the rooftop positions above. He crawled to the doorway and half shouted, half whispered, What the fuck just happened? Shit. Boss, Polly, Jim, and Ted are dead. Fuck me. There were several more shots, a little more wild this time, but still close enough to keep everyone's head down. Skells crawled outside and tried to look down the hill. With the lights and the fog, all he could see was glare, which is when it finally dawned on him. Shut off the damn lights! The Blood Eagles couldn't see shit, but whoever was out there could see them perfectly, backlit by their very own floodlights. Turn off the fucking lights, morons! In between more ranging shots, Skells heard his men crawling around until he finally got the lights out, one after the other. With the lights finally up, it was dark, nearly pitch black. Skells figured they'd get their night vision back and could start looking for muzzle flashes. Whoever was out there still had 12 bloody ghosts to deal with, and once the sun came up, well, they tracked them down and spit-roast him for good measure. Keep a lookout. You see a flash, you shoot back. Skells crawled back into the transmission bunker and shut the door behind him. He had a small handheld flashlight and turned it on. As he scanned the room, he saw both Phil and Bugs cowering in the corner. Okay, fuck you guys. Get back on the radio and see if you can raise anyone. I don't care who at this point. When they didn't move, Skells pulled his pistol and threatened them. They scampered over to their equipment, frantically turning knobs and dials. Outside, the Blood Eagles scanned the tree lines in the approaching fog. The mist seemed to creep up the hill, obscuring everything from just beyond a few feet from the perimeter. They were nervous and jumpy at the best of times, but now most of them were terrified. A few thought they saw something moving down below, but every time they tried to get a beat on it, there was nothing. Then it came out of the fog, almost a blur. The guards didn't even have time to pull the triggers on their weapons before their necks were broken and throats slit. 
who or whatever it had wanted to, to turn off the lights made it so much easier to get close. Scales didn't know it yet, locked inside the transmission bunker, but the roof and walls were stained with arterial spray and within a few minutes, everyone outside was dead. The three raiders listened intensely for anything, but it was deathly quiet. The radio still played nothing but static and neither Phil nor Bugs could find anything on any frequency. Then the light started to flicker, and it suddenly occurred to Skells that the generator was outside. Ah, oh, shit! The lights flickered one last time before the entire bunker was plunged into darkness. Skells grabbed the flashlight hanging from his utility belt and turned it on. The weak cone of light barely illuminated the inside of the room. Both Phil and Bugs looked scared shitless. Then he heard it. A tapping on the concrete. It seemed to be coming from the far wall, but with each tap, it got closer and closer to the door. You're still blood eagles, and you'll sure as hell pull the trigger on whatever comes through that door. The tapping was nearly to the door, and then it stopped. Skells pulled out his own 10 millimeter pistol and pointed it at the door. The silence was nearly deafening. Then with a creaking sound, the metal door opened and all three Blood Eagles fired over and over into the open space with bullets hitting soft flesh. The smoke from their weapons created a fine haze, and a body fell through the doorway, a helmet skittering across the floor. In the dim light, they couldn't see who it was, so Skells motioned for Phil to go check it out. The older Blood Eagle walked slowly towards the body, keeping his pistol in front of him the entire time. When he was next to the corpse, he knelt down and turned it over, and his eyes went wide. Holy crap, it's... That was as far as he got, as his head was cleaved in two by a fire axe. Blood splattered across the room as Phil collapsed to the floor next to the other body. Both Skell and Bugs saw the other figure in the doorframe. Someone or something wearing a tattered leather coat and wide-brim hat. The light didn't seem to reach its face, but in the gloom they could see that it was smiling, its teeth flashing in the darkness. They both pulled the triggers on their pistols again, but instead of firing, they only heard the click of empty magazines. <laughs> God, you blood eagles. Always going off half-cocked. At the sound of that voice, Bugs pissed himself. Scales just stared for a second. It couldn't be. She was dead. The claw said so. You were dead. They said you were dead. Dead? Oh, I'm very much alive. And now you've made me so angry. Let's take the mask off, shall we? The smile got bigger, even as her eyes seemed to become a deeper shade of black. Pucks was gone, hysterical to the point of catatonia. Lilith, because that's who this had to be. Otherwise a, a demon, or perhaps both, reached down and yanked the axe out of Phil's skull. Scales reached for another magazine for his pistol, but couldn't find any in the dark. We're going to have so much fun together. And I'm so hungry.
Paige, I just spoke with Penny and Jen. They think they have a way to get around the laser grids in Vault 79. I hope so. While all that goal is mighty tempting, I'm more worried about keeping my people safe. The Overseer understands, and so do I. But it's important to get to Vault 79 before anyone else does. And it could mean a brighter future for all of us. Wild gold is nice and all. I'd rather have a few more wells, thicker walls, and a few more turrets. Day nodded and shook Paige's hand before packing up his notes and leaving the office. When the Overseer told him about Vault 79, he could barely believe it. Somehow, vault convinced the government to move the entire U.S. gold reserve to a vault somewhere in Appalachia. The overseer discovered the plans when the two of them had been investigating the old vault University campus in Morgantown. Convincing Page and Foundation to support their efforts to secure the gold hadn't been easy. However, Day felt that they were on the right track, and if they could find all the material they needed to bypass the insane level of security, they'd be fine. Jen, perhaps the best scavenger in all of Foundation, had approached him about a piece of tech that they could use to bypass the laser grids. Unfortunately, the location of said tech was just outside the White Spring. And that was a whole nother problem. And speak of the devil. There you are. I've been looking everywhere for you. Well, hello, Cindy. What can I do for you? We're supposed to be working together on the vaccine distribution. But every time I try to find you, you're nowhere to be found. The caravans are on schedule, aren't they? I haven't seen any problems of you. That is not the point. Mm, I'm right in the middle of something. Can we talk about this later? Perhaps at dinner? Ugh! You keep treating me like a child! I know you're up to something! I have no idea what you're talking about, Cindy. Uh, look, I'm, I'm not your babysitter, but I'm sure Ward could keep you busy. I heard he just lost another osmosis kit. Ugh! Damn it, Day, you're the worst! <laughs> Day watched Cindy storm off in a huff. Part of him felt bad for ribbing her like that, but he didn't have the time to deal with her right now. He couldn't have her looking over his shoulder as he tried to figure out how to get past the other stuffed shirts at the White Spring. Mr. Day? Mr. Day! Day turned to see one of the guards running towards him from the elevator topside. Yeah? What is it? A message from Sutton. Said it was urgent. Fine. Give it to me. Day sighed. Probably was just another request for updates from the Overseer. As much as she had become the mother he never had, she could be a little overbearing at times. He unfolded the paper and started reading the hastily scrawled note. It wasn't from the Overseer. It was one of his trusted informants from the top of the world. Sutton had just relayed the message. This isn't good. Day's job just got a lot harder. The window of opportunity had also gotten a whole lot smaller. He needed to find Jen, and they had to leave now. Day took one last look at the paper before stuffing it in his pocket. Lilith is alive. The Overseer's contingency plans might be necessary after all. This is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie. This is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. Well, what are you supposed to do in this thing anyway?
Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Altaris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Yeah, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again, members, for joining us here on The Modus Files. If you've enjoyed this content, please subscribe. And better yet, please leave a review to help others find our little enclave. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Modus Files, for more information about our podcast, Fallout 76 content, and random musings on the enclave. I'd also like to thank our cast, Aaron McNamara as Dr. Harefield, Exo One King as Major Andrew Stein, Lucy Middleton as Major Lilith Alistair and Freya, Mark Hosworth as Bitter, Tim Young as Sullivan, Ryan Weir as the Voice of the Eagles, Napa as the Claw, Aaron Foster as Lieutenant Henry Thomas, Patrick Conway as Beckett, Pandora Beatrix as Colonel Valeria Faustina, Austin Rogers as Lieutenant Jones, Daniel Hawthorne as Lieutenant Shadow, Josh Smith as Skells, Chris Smith from One Wall Comedy as Bugs, Mr. Gutsy Gaming as Phil, Trash King Nix as Grace, Eliza S. Christopher as Paige, Ryan Negrin as Day, Maria Cheshire as Lieutenant Cindy Connors, Rachel Cerullo as the Foundation Guard, and Brad Williams as the Voice of Modus. And a shout-out to the Apocalyptic Aristocracy Discord, home to a great group of fellow creators, the Robots Radio podcast community, and the rest of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, and Jeremiah Johnson, our favorite character artist who provided the wonderful character artwork you can find on our website. Lastly, thank you to all of our subscribers and supporters. Stay tuned for our next episode a very special bedtime stories, Tales from Vault 76, Stein. God bless the Enclave, and God bless America. Members, we look forward to your next visit to our little Enclave.